It's February 19th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, we've got some presidential politics to talk about with good news and bad news for both Joe Biden and Donald Trump. We will cover the latest about an FBI informant that was arrested, then a massive legal penalty out of New York. Plus this next incredible fact, small donors are powering Mr. Trump's campaign while rich donors are powering Mr. Biden's. We'll talk about why that matters. Second, I've got an update to my prediction about China invading Taiwan within the next 24 months. There is some vital news that involves AI-powered drones that suggests that my prediction of war might just be accurate. Third, Russia's got a new space program that was on the front pages of the news last week. But wait, why did that classified system get so publicly exposed? We will talk about some dirty tricks in Washington, D.C. to help explain that and why we should care. Later, a listener question today from Mark out in Huntsville, Alabama. He had a question about AI Brian, who delivered the mini brief to you on Friday. We'll talk about exactly how I put that together and its connection to a deep fake version of Joe Biden. But first, let's get to our top stories of the morning. Two major U.S. politicians had some major developments to deal with over the weekend. Let's start with Joe Biden. He celebrated some time off in Delaware while also celebrating this. The FBI arrested one of their own informants who was involved in the Biden family corruption investigation. To refresh our memories on this clandestine source, I briefed you back on June 9th about a secret FBI informant who said that Joe Biden and his son Hunter had taken $5 million in bribes apiece to provide protection to a Ukrainian company called Burisma Holdings. Hunter was on the board of that company, it is true, due to his connection to his father, But the allegation was that Hunter called on his dad to provide protection of Burisma in the event that U.S. or European authorities were to investigate the company. Well, over the summer, we didn't have many details about this informant uh, other than that he had been working with the FBI as a confidential source since at least the year 2010, and they had involved this vetted asset in a number of high-profile cases. And that seemed to give the source's intel a degree of credibility. But as I shared with you back in June and throughout the summer, good informants like this guy can go bad. They and their information have to be continually vetted. And that takes us to the news. We are learning this morning that the secret FBI informant is in fact a fellow named Alexander Smirnoff. He was arrested last week by his former FBI handlers because they allege he lied about the $5 million payments that he said happened. The indictment against Mr. Smirnoff says that he fabricated the conversations with Burisma executives who allegedly told him of the Biden ploy, but the FBI says that those conversations simply never happened. So far, no response from either Mr. Smirnoff or his attorney. We expect to hear something over the next week or so. Democrats were gleeful about this news, as you might guess. It says, uh, or those folks say rather, that uh, it fatally undermines the corruption investigation into the Bidens. To the point, the lawyer that handles the case for Mr. Joe Biden insisted that, quote, we were right about this investigation and the air is out of the Republican corruption balloon, end quote. Well, as you would guess, Republican investigators disagree. They say that their balloon is just fine. Thank you very much. 
because the case against Biden involves not just this FBI informant, but rather IRS whistleblowers, bank records, and other witnesses like Hunter Biden's business partners. But nevertheless, Mr. Biden and his team are feeling pretty good this morning, at least about that. Unfortunately, though, he's probably not feeling so great about this. Special counsel Robert Hur will testify on Capitol Hill on March 12th about his investigation into Mr. Biden's unlawful possession of classified information. As listeners will recall, Mr. Hur found that Biden knowingly possessed and used top secret information that he stored in his garage, basement, and at least two offices in Washington, D.C. But despite those crimes, Mr. Hur did not prosecute Mr. Biden because he said our commander in chief is too senile. He said that he's simply too old and mentally compromised for any jury to ever convict him. Well, that was a political shocker. Polls continue to show that most Americans feel Mr. Hur gave Biden some pretty favorable treatment. But that aside, 86% of folks out there agree with Mr. Hur that Biden is too old and decrepit, at least for the presidency. So there you have it. The good news and the bad that Mr. Biden and his team got over the weekend as he now makes his way back home, as it were, to the White House from his other home in Delaware. With those facts and data in mind, let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion. So let's start with this question about the FBI informant. Do you trust Joe Biden's Department of Justice and FBI to investigate this case? Because that is now the central question about this Alexander Smirnoff. On one hand, it is certainly possible that he made up those Biden allegations to earn some cash or feel important. And I can tell you from personal experience, informants or assets do this all the time. And that is why vetting them and their information, it never ends, certainly during a clandestine relationship. But on the other hand, we have a mountain of evidence that the DOJ and the FBI are, or certainly have been in recent years, corrupted by politics. We've got two special counsel reports and another report by an inspector general that clearly demonstrate that both the DOJ and the FBI have engaged in inappropriate or outright unlawful activity. And they did that to target their political opponents, namely and especially former President Donald Trump and his campaign staff. So I can't tell you this morning whether Mr. Smirnoff's arrest is a a case of a good asset gone bad or... Rather, it is yet another example of DOJ and FBI engaging in some lawlessness. So that is why this is on my radar this morning. And now this case is on your radars as well. More to come. Next up, we've got Donald Trump. He got some good news and some very bad news starting late last Friday. So let's start with the bad news and a very big number. A half a billion dollars. That is the amount that Mr. Trump is going to have to pay to the state of New York After a Democrat judge ruled late last week that Trump overstated his assets to some banks on his loans to then eventually secure some financing for a construction loan. The judge did acknowledge that Mr. Trump repaid the loans and that the banks made a lot of money off of them. Doesn't matter. The Democrat jurist said that Trump's loan application was fraudulent and thus he must pay a half billion dollar fine for the crime. This decision was both expected and hoped for by New York's Democrat Attorney General Letitia James. Based on reporting from uh, CNN, the New York Times, and the Washington Post, Ms. James campaigned aggressively on targeting Mr. Trump and his businesses as she ran for that office back in 2018. And that is why her critics say that such targeted prosecution of Trump is wrong. It's not about justice, but rather political retribution. 
And that is but one of the reasons for why Mr. Trump's attorney announced late last week that she would be appealing this decision. But as she does, Mr. Trump will likely have to deposit some or all of the one of the five hundred billion dollars rather as bond. So that is the unhappy news for Mr. Trump. And those are the players who are involved in this news, the prosecutor and the judge, both lifelong Democrats. But there is a critical part to this legal saga that you need to know. And here it is. This Democrat attorney general who prosecuted the case, she used a statute that up until this Trump case had only been used to protect consumers. It was formerly used to charge financial institutions like corrupt banks or crypto scammers who took advantage of people who often didn't have the resources to know better. But as Reuters News Service reported over the weekend, that is not the case here. Trump put forth a loan application. The banks did due diligence. They investigated his claims of asset value and they disagreed and they negotiated that ultimate number down with Trump. And that is very, uh, very normal. And then based on this new valuation of the assets, the banks loaned out money to Trump as this construction loan. And then the banks got their money back with interest. In other words, there was no victim and there was no harm. In fact, the banks that Trump allegedly defrauded made a bunch of money. And that's why Reuters News Service and others are pointing out that the use of this statute against Trump is unprecedented, unusual, and most critically, it could have a profound impact on New York's business community. And that's because real estate firms and banks will now be very afraid that they could be charged with crimes for what has been a very normal business practice for decades. Again, the loan applicant, like Trump, asks for the biggest loan that they think they can get, and then the bank negotiates after some due diligence and the loan eventually gets made. But that entire system is now at risk. To be clear, the Democrat judge and Democrat attorney general involved in this case have both acknowledged the unprecedented use of this statute, but they say it just doesn't matter. So that's the bad news for Mr. Trump that he had to deal with over the weekend, which takes us to the good news, or perhaps better said, some fascinating news about who exactly is supporting Donald Trump. And it all comes down to cash. According to the New York Times and Fox News, the Trump campaign is collecting far more donations of less than $200 per person than is Joe Biden. And it's not even close. Trump is ahead by hundreds of thousands of small donors or donations. Conversely, Mr. Biden is collecting more cash from the very wealthy and mostly from Democrat strongholds in California and New York, along with leftist run cities in places like Florida. Now, digging into the numbers, Trump is leading in this small donor category in all battleground states. That includes the states of Michigan, North Carolina, Arizona, and others. And here's why that is very important. As the New York Times is reporting this morning, this donor network directly translates to the types of supporters that each candidate has and how passionate they are to support the candidate. It suggests then that Trump is attracting working class Americans and they will turn out at higher numbers in these swing states. And based on the Times analysis, that could return Donald Trump to the White House. And that is quite a change from historical patterns. For decades, Democrats often said that they were the party of the working class, while Republicans were often branded as the party of the elites or the rich. That, however, has changed. And that, by the way, is based on not only this latest data, but also a lot of recent polling. So those are the latest facts and data about uh, Mr. Trump's good weekend, but then also that bad part of the weekend with all that uh, big fine. 
Let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion. First, let's talk about that legal case out of New York and that big fine. What seems glaringly obvious is that you've got two very partisan actors in the Democrat judge and the Democrat attorney general who are chasing after someone that they simply don't like because of their politics. And while that seems pretty obvious to reasonable observers, the question is whether or not that will become legally obvious during the uh, appeals process. And that is certainly possible. In fact, New York businesses are counting on that. We got reporting over the weekend that there is palpable fear about how real estate and banking businesses in New York will be affected by this ruling, Trump aside. In fact, the governor of New York, a Democrat, Kathy Hochul, spent part of the weekend trying to calm business nerves in her state because of this ruling. So the business fear in New York is real, and it's not just about Trump. So bottom line, folks, I'm going to keep you posted on this legal drama because Trump aside, it is a big deal. It's about how politics could impact our country's most critical and important financial center, which, of course, is New York City. Finally, let's talk about those small donors. So here's what I see. I think that we are living in the midst of a political revolution. It's a reorientation of values. Fair or not, Democrats are now perceived as the party of the wealthy elites. And fair or not, uh, Republicans are perceived to represent the little guy. Or if I should refine just that uh, argument to touch, what the polls show us is that Trump and his MAGA movement are perceived as representative of the voice of the little guy. Conversely, Biden and Democrats apparently speak for the anointed class and people who have things like PhDs. And that's remarkable because that is not the political orientation that any of us grew up with. In my case, it's the opposite of what rural families like mine experience where we were country Democrats who were fearful of the Wall Street Republicans, so we tended to vote Democrats, but no longer. And that's really incredible. It is history, ladies and gentlemen, in the making. And with that, let us take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. It is you and your financial support that are keeping this podcast alive. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, I sure thank you as well. I encourage you to do your part this morning and support those companies that support me. And we've got some good ones this week. You'll hear about them shortly. We'll be right back. It's February and it is still freezing for most of us. So get yourselves warmed up with more wintertime deals from American Giant. Yep, it's the company that makes clothing and textiles right here in America. No foreign stuff. They've got things like roughneck jackets, which are very fancy, some thick stadium blankets, which are very warm, and some sweatpants, too, which are very comfy. But that's not all. They've got jeans, socks, scarves, and dresses for the gals or the guys, I guess, if that's your cup of tea. But anyway, the best part of American Giant is that all of their products are made right here in America, in factories near your hometown and mine. That means no China, no Mexico, right here at home. So support the folks that support your country and support American Giant. Best yet, if you do, I'm going to save you 20% off your first order. So go to American-Giant.com. And when you do, use that promo code right W-R-I-G-H-T, and you are going to get 20% off that first order. So my friends, warm up your wintertime blues and your wardrobe. And go to American-Giant.com, use that promo code right, and get your 20% off. And let's get this country going, and let's make America giant. 
My friends, have you gotten your Factor Meals yet? If not, holy smokes, you should. Factormeals.com is the best meal delivery company in the United States. I promise you this. I have tried the others. These guys are it. They give you more than 35 different meal options to choose from every single week. That includes Calorie Smart, which is a pretty good idea after the holidays. Also, they've got Protein Plus, which is a great idea for after the gym. And even vegetarian options, which is a great idea for people who are crazy. Just kidding. We love our vegetarians, too. Well, anyway, it's all delivered, ladies and gentlemen, fresh, right to your doorstep, never frozen. All you got to do is open the box, and after a couple of minutes of heating, you have got a great meal to enjoy. And that's true for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Plus, they've got some wonderful grab-and-go snacks and some tasty cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. As ever, I've told you this before, I love their pork chops. They've also got shredded chicken tacos that are so good. Also, they've got a new lasagna that is out, and it is top-notch. These meals, folks, really are delicious, and they are a perfect option for either busy people like me or retired folks who just want good, healthy meals, but they don't want the fuss of cooking. So support the folks who support this podcast, my friends, and get yourselves Factor Meals at 50% off right now. So go to factormeals.com slash right five zero. That's W-R-I-G-H-T five zero. And you get 50% off. Yeah. Again, that's promo code right five zero at factormeals.com slash right five zero and get that 50% off. But more importantly, my friends, you're getting a meal service that is good for your body and great for your taste buds. I guarantee it. I am two months into eating Super Beats Heart Chews, and I am fired up to tell y'all I feel it. This stuff works for me. It gives me a shot of energy, plus performance and endurance. And that heart-healthy energy is exactly what I was looking for. Best yet, if you pair Super Beats with a healthy lifestyle, the antioxidants in these little chews are clinically shown to be nearly two times more effective at promoting normal blood pressure than a healthy lifestyle alone. And it's so easy to use this product. Just two little tasty chews in the morning and you're set. No pills to swallow, no ingredients to mix. So do what I did. Go to getsuperbeats.com. That is B-E-E-T-S.com. And use promo code RIGHT. And you will get a 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews for free and 15% off your order. That is a ridiculous deal for heart-healthy energy, but I love it. So go to GetSuperBeats.com and use promo code RIGHT and get that heart-healthy energy you need and support that healthy blood pressure too. You will be so glad you did. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our news this morning with a pivot towards international developments. We start with an update to my prediction that I offered you back in September that China will likely invade Taiwan within the next 24 months. To refresh our memories, back on September 7th, I briefed you on something called the Replicator Program. It's a new line of effort by the U.S. Pentagon to develop swarm technology involving AI-infused drones. So the idea is that thousands and thousands of drones would operate in the sky and in the seas, coordinating their movements without the aid of a human. And that would be incredible. A war without losing a single U.S. airman or marine or sailor. At least that's the hope. But it's also pretty nerve-wracking, isn't it? For example, what happens if these AI drones start firing on the wrong targets, like, you know, you and me? 
Well, that fear aside, the push for this replicator program was and is largely about China and Taiwan. And here's why. As of this moment, Beijing has a tremendous advantage over the U.S. and Taiwan in terms of conventional warfare in the region. That includes proximity to Taiwan and also and especially their shipbuilding industry. It is much stronger and much better than the United States. And China would absolutely be able to use those advantages as they cross the Taiwan Strait to take back the island that they regard as theirs. And if they do, that would be a huge deal for you, your pocketbook, and your modern life. And that's because Taiwan produces the vast majority of the world's computer chips and virtually all of the most advanced chips. So if those chip factories or foundries were to be under China's control or destroyed in the war your life would quickly become unrecognizable. But if the Pentagon could deploy these AI-infused drones to Taiwan, that could change the balance of power back towards our favor. We could match or even overcome China's conventional advantages like their Navy. But of course, Beijing knows this. And that is why back in September, I made a prediction. If the U.S. Pentagon deploys this replicator program on schedule, which is the fall of 2025, we would expect that China would launch a strike earlier than the fall of 2025 to take back Taiwan before it loses its advantage. So in other words, just to put a fine point on this, it would mean that we would see war at some point between now and 2025. So that is the refresh of our September brief and my related prediction. And it takes us to the latest. Bloomberg News reported over the weekend that the Pentagon had sent Congress a classified request to authorize $300 million to be spent on the replicator program. The money would allow the U.S. military to work with private industry to build the advanced AI software necessary to power the drone swarms, deployed no later than August of 2025. Those new drone systems would first be sent to Taiwan. A Pentagon spokesman confirmed that the, the request had been sent to Congress over the past week and that the timeline for launching these drones was still late summer or fall of 2025. The $300 million request, by the way, comes two months after the Pentagon faced some pretty harsh criticism that it wasn't acting fast enough, that the replicator program was rudderless or disorganized. But as of this morning, that concern appears to have been at least partially addressed. So those are the ongoing facts and data about the drone wars and how the AI revolution may change your life and very soon. Let me now offer you my analysis and opinion. My September prediction remains the same, folks. As of this moment, I still believe that China will invade Taiwan in the next 18 to 24 months because, well, in part, this replicator program. And we should remind ourselves of why Beijing is so hellbent on doing this. And here it is. President Xi wants to finish the Chinese Civil War, a war that didn't end because the rebels of 80 years ago fled mainland China for Taiwan. That was back in 1949. And it is the children and the grandchildren of those nationalist rebels that lead Taipei to this very day. And that is why Xi wants to finish this thing and bring Taiwan back home. Now, for what it's worth, my critics would probably say that I'm wrong with my prediction for one of three reasons. First, they would say that China's economy is not in good shape, and that will limit what President Xi can do in the short term. Second, they would say that the Chinese military is untested, and they need more time to train. And third, my critics would say there are massive corruption issues within the Chinese military, especially the rocket force that would lead the invasion. 
And fair enough, all good critiques. But here's why I'm sticking to my guns. President Xi knows that there is no perfect time to invade Taiwan. He will never have the perfect economy nor the perfect military. So he is going to have to use the economy and the military that he has. And what he has is a military advantage right now that he will lose by the fall of 2025, all to America's drone swarms. So that is why, for now, my prediction remains the same. I continue to assess with medium confidence that China knows it has a window to invade Taiwan, and President Xi will use it. Otherwise, the window will close, and it will likely be shut for the remainder of Xi's rule, and that is not something that he wants to happen on his watch. With that, we pivot to our last piece of international news. This is about a threat coming to us from space. Last Wednesday, a Republican lawmaker issued a very mysterious warning that there was a serious national security threat that should be briefed to all members of Congress. It came from Representative Mike Turner. He issued that very vague warning, and you should know that his role is very relevant to this allegation. He serves as the head of the House Intel Committee. Well, last week, Mr. Turner did not say what exactly the threat was, but over the weekend, it was confirmed. He was talking about a highly classified Russian program that seeks to deploy a nuclear weapon into space. To be clear, this would not be a bomb dropped from the sky onto our cities or our military bases. Instead, the weapon would explode in space, and the resulting impact would fry the electronics of various satellite systems. This is often referred to as an EMP attack or an EMP weapon, And interestingly, these attacks can be caused from weapons like the Russians are developing. It's true, but also from nature. It takes the form of a solar flare. In fact, we had one of those back in 1859. It was called the Great Carrington Event. But it's the man-made EMP attacks that have been long of interest to a lot of different world powers. In fact, the U.S. intel community has been aware of and has been watching this Russian program for years. In fact, they've been keeping an eye on it since the Cold War. But only in the past few weeks did U.S. intel learn that the Russian system was much further along than they believed, and it was space-based, focused on attacking our satellites and not a land-based EMP attack. And you should know that if the Russians could deploy this space-based system, that would be exceptionally bad for a couple of reasons. First, America relies on satellites for basic communication and GPS functions on things like your phones and cars and other electronics. But those satellites also enable things like spy operations and perhaps most critically, our nuclear weapons. Second, the U.S. military does not have a robust system in place to stop this particular EMP space system. So if the Russians were to deploy and use it, uh, we would be knocked back and maybe knocked out. It would likely change the fate of humanity. But as the White House and the intel community said over the past week, this Russian system is not game ready. It is being developed, it's true, but it's not yet mature. It's not ready to be deployed. So the question then is, why did this congressman, Mr. Turner, publicly disclose this highly classified intelligence involving this highly classified Russian program? Well, the White House said last week it would would certainly like an answer to that question. The National Security Council insisted that Congress was fully aware of this threat. White House officials had been briefing it to both the House and the Senate for weeks, along with their plans to address it. Meanwhile, two U.S. senators confirmed that, yes, they had been briefed on this issue weeks ago. 
And they, too, didn't understand why Turner did what he did. Well, sadly, the New York Times is now reporting that Mr. Turner's decision has jeopardized the sensitive sources that were operating inside of Russia and collecting the intel related to this program. Those sources are now degraded or dead, giving us less fidelity on this EMP program. So, folks in Washington, D.C. this morning, and maybe you are asking yet again, why did Mr. Turner do this? There was just no need. There was no imminent threat. Well, to answer that mystery, let me pivot now to my analysis and opinion. Well, the good news is that we have an answer. The bad news is you're not going to like it. Here's why. We know that Mr. Turner, along with a lot of politicians and lobbyists in D.C. right now, really want Congress to approve a $95 billion bill that would send cash to Ukraine, along with Taiwan and Israel and the Pacific Island countries. But that bill, as of this morning, stands little chance of passage. And that is because Mr. Turner's boss, the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, has said that America needs to focus its money first on the southern border. And then afterwards, the House will address this foreign aid. And that makes Mr. Turner and folks like him very angry. They want it now because they say Ukraine needs it right now. But it is also because of this to date. March 1st, on that day, just two weeks away, the U.S. government will shut down unless Congress passes new funding bills for all government operations. But that is going to be a very cantankerous process because a lot of Republicans are demanding that we cut spending. And yet Mr. Turner and others want more spending, $95 billion more on mostly foreign wars. So if I could put that just a touch differently, starting on March 1st, getting any spending bills through Congress is going to be tough, say nothing, of a whopping $95 billion. So that is why Mr. Turner is acting right now and last week. He is releasing this highly classified information and burning our intel sources to stoke some Russia anger in Washington, D.C. about this potential EMP attack. And by making this case that Russia is very bad, it makes the argument easier that we should send some money to Ukraine to defeat them there. Now, I should tell you that this assessment is not just mine or based on my sources. It was also reported by NBC News over the weekend. But whatever Mr. Turner's rationale, he just did something pretty grotesque. To get his Ukraine cash, he just destroyed or degraded some very important U.S. intel sources. And he may well have just cost some Russian lives. Those folks were working for the CIA or the NSA. So that is what is going on this morning with Russia's space program and some political games in Washington, D.C. More to come on that, folks, I promise. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Folks, back on January 9th, we talked about the big fight with Russia and how that could badly affect the U.S. dollar and you. Well, if you're looking for ways to diversify your investments, boy, consider physical gold and silver and consider American Hartford Gold as you do. They are the precious metal dealer that I use and trust. And when you give them a call, they will explain how to protect not only your savings accounts, but also your retirement accounts, all by purchasing gold and silver. Plus, they will explain their buyback commitment, which is rock solid. And here's some more good news. Feel very comfortable using American Heart for Gold as they have a five-star rating from thousands of reviews, plus an A-plus ranking from the Better Business Bureau. So here's how you do it. Either give them a call at 866-353-2694. Again, that is 866-353-2694. 
or you can just text them. Text right to 65532. And gosh, that's easy. Again, 65532. And just text them my last name. And when you do, listen to this. They will give you up to $5,000 of free silver on your very first order, depending on your total purchase. So again, either give them a call at 866-353-2694 or text my last name right to 65532. And as you do, my friends, make sure that you remember that January brief about the currency wars, because that is why we want to consider physical gold, my friends, and silver with American Hartford Gold. Folks, I want to reintroduce you to ArcSeedKits.com. I spoke of them about six months ago, and now they're back. All because I am on the hunt for products that my listeners can use to be prepared for a very uncertain future in this country. And ArcSeedKits.com does just that. They sell heirloom seeds for fruits and vegetables to help you grow crops in your garden year after year. And that is the difference, my friends, between modern seeds and heirloom seeds. You see, when you go to a big box store and you buy those little seed packets, virtually 100% of those are genetically modified to grow only one year's crop. And that forces you to buy seeds year after year. But not with heirloom seeds and not from arcseedkits.com. Their heirloom seeds grow plants that you can harvest year after year with seeds that you can save and use to grow next year's garden. That is a permanent supply of food. And that means that you've got a lot of options to choose from. The most popular seed kit with arcseedkits.com is called the All-in-One that has over 65 varieties of fruits and vegetables sprouting from 50,000 heirloom seeds. Holy smokes, that is an incredible deal. So get food security for you and your families from arcseedkits.com. And for paid subscribers only, you will get an extra 25% off all orders. That promo code, by the way, is only listed in today's Substack email. But no matter if you're a paid subscriber or not, folks, go to arcseedkits.com, just like Noah's Ark, and invest in not just seeds, but good food, good health, and food security. Again, that is arcseedkits.com. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It is a listener question sent to us from one of my paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. Mark out in Huntsville, Alabama had a question about Friday's mini brief. That one was delivered by AI Brian. By the way, some of you who listen on an Apple podcast did not get that episode until Sunday for some reason. I'm not sure why, but it affected a lot of other podcasts as well, not just mine. So for what it's worth, the episode is there as of this morning. And if you want to get back and listen to AI, Brian, at any rate, Mark asked this question. I was kind of creeped out by AI, Brian, especially when he laughed at the beginning. So can you tell us exactly how the system works and how precisely you created it? Ah, yes, I can. And I will. And let's start with that laugh. So I did not tell AI Brian to do that. He did that on his own. Why did he do that? I have no idea. It's part of the mystery around AI. It's called the black box problem. AI will decide to do something, but we have no idea why it chose a particular outcome or a path to get there, which is kind of spooky and a little bit dangerous. We'll get to that later. But let me answer your question about how I put together this episode, because at the end of the day, criminals and bad actors are doing the same thing. So I used an AI company called Eleven Labs, and arguably they are the best in the AI business right now for what is called text-to-speech AI. And here's how it works. 
So I write a sentence or a paragraph on the Eleven Labs website. It then translates uh, that text into all different kinds of speech. You can choose a British accent or a foreign language. You can select a, a deep male baritone or a soft-spoken woman. Or I can choose to replicate my text with my own voice. And theoretically, that's great for days like when I'm sick or my recording equipment goes haywire. And just for fun, you can do this too. With just a couple of minutes of your speech that you upload to this uh, this company, you can get the deep fake version of you, and it'll only take about two or three minutes. But the more advanced, accurate version of your voice, which is what I played on Friday, that takes hours and hours of your uploaded voice, plus about a month or so for this company to process and replicate it. So that's what I started with on Friday. I started with a script and that um, Cadillac version of my AI voice. But that's just when the fun begins. Right, you can choose different versions of your own voice. Think of it like, um, do you remember back in the day, the, the little knobs on your uh, car radios where you could adjust like the treble or the bass? Well, with AI programs, you can do much the same. You can create a more monotone version of your voice or something a little bit more quirky. It has more inflection. But when you start to juice up the inflection, make it more interesting, I think, to, to listen to, it starts to get really weird. Why? Again, I have no idea. They call it artifacts, and this is regarding that black box problem, but it results in things like creepy laughter. But here's my point. As you juice up the inflection, you get wildly different results each and every time. So that means that you have to keep refreshing the options and rerunning the results until you get something that you want. So for example, on Friday, it took me over an hour of refreshing and reloading to just get three minutes of usable audio. And that included, by the way, that uh, weird laugh for absolutely no reason. So for me, that's not really a great use of my time. An hour or more of tinkering for simply three minutes of kind of okay audio. But it is a great use of time for other people, including outfits like LifeCore. That is the company that I told you about back on February 6th who took the voice of Joe Biden and created a deepfake ad that ran in New Hampshire. It was a robocall. It told Biden voters with Biden's voice to not vote. Now, since that brief, by the way, New Hampshire's attorney general promised to investigate the incident and did. And he just discovered that the Texas-based Life Corps used 11 labs, just like I do, to clone Biden's voice and do this dirty political ad. Now, for them, it was great. They could afford to take hours and hours of their days to get perfect 30 seconds, all that they needed for their deep fake ad to mess around with some folks in New Hampshire. Whew, so there you go. What a world. At any rate, the upshot, Mark, is that AI Brian, he's fun. He's interesting, maybe entertaining on occasion, but he's not a great solution for me on a day in and day out basis. He might pop up, I anticipate, from time to time, maybe another mini brief on a sick day or a special episode talking about AI. I will let you know when I do that. But in the meantime, well, I'm sorry. You're stuck with me. And oh, by the way, contrary to what AI Brian said on Friday, he is not more handsome than me. Thank you very much. And I may have to unplug that guy if he gets any more sassy. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every 
good spy, and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.